Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Allie Warshavsky. And today on our podcast, we are speaking with Lisa Mixes of Response Systems in Brantford about how their laser technology is providing therapy all over the world, but also specifically in Killingworth, Connecticut. Christine Cummings of A Place Called Hope, a bird rehab facility, joins us today as well. Lisa, Christine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank you, Allie. What a cool partnership. Now, Lisa, let's talk about the work Response Systems has been doing in Brantford for over 30 years now, or is it 50? We are about 38, actually, 38. so right in between. Yes. Yes. So we manufacture um, two types of therapy equipment for animals. We make uh, cold laser therapy, which uh, a lot of people recently have become more familiar with. If you go to a human PT um, and sometimes chiropractor, they might give you laser therapy after you've had an injury to help you heal um, or to help you deal with um, kind of chronic pain or arthritis. So it's becoming much more mainstream on the human side. Um, even though it's been in the animal world for um, at least three decades now. And then our second technology is the pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. Uh, we call it PEMF or PEMF. Um, and that also works the same way um, as laser in helping to reduce pain and inflammation, um, address chronic conditions, help accelerate healing, um, but works through a slightly different biochemical pathway. So we've been manufacturing both of those um, at our factory here in Brantford, um, Connecticut for gosh, yeah, about 38 years now. Um, we're proud to be made in the USA, which is definitely, and as a small manufacturer, we really take pride um, in that and being able to do that here in Connecticut. Now, Christine, you seem to be the prime example of how to use this therapy. When did you start using it and how are you using it in Killingworth? Okay, so at a place called Hope, we primarily specialize in the care of birds of prey. So these are big predatory birds and small ones as well that really um, require a lot of um, distant kind of uh, less touching for healing them because they are dangerous birds, of course, and they're very frightened by any kind of human interaction. So we have to limit our touching. And it was probably about 2013 is just my best guess on when we were first introduced to uh, Respond Systems. It was based off a, a Facebook post, actually, where there was a red-tailed hawk who had been stuck in a tree, in the crook of a tree, where its leg got stuck through the actual um, branch, and he had abraded his entire skin um, tissue area all up and down the leg. And that was a pretty severe uh, wound for a bird of prey to have, but of course, everything else about him was okay, but we needed to get that skin tissue fixed up and bandaged and kept moist. And the long story of that is somebody from Response Systems reached out to us saying, I have got a tool for you. And wouldn't it be something if you tried this and it helped? And wouldn't you know it, it's like a magic wand. It really is. We use this on this bird and it, it probably lessened the recovery time that we were used to seeing by half 
the bird was much quicker in um, re cell regeneration and the skin tissue actually dried up faster and healed from the inside out in a, a quicker way. It was um, not invasive. It was a perfect opportunity for us to do quick treatments. And this bird went back to freedom in half the time. It was incredible to us. So of course, from that moment on, it became something that we were going to obviously use in other ways and other applications. And now it's routine standard care for us here. It's every day that we're using our, our cold laser therapy unit. I think it'd be really cool, Christine, if you panned and showed me before, because you can hear the birds in the background, but people might not know how close you really are to about 90 of them. That's so yeah, cool. there's probably a good 90 on um, site currently, although, you know, the hospital right now, there's probably about 18 patients in the actual clinic. Um, and then we do have aviary spaces where birds are recovering. So we've got um, different areas according to different kinds of level of uh, their care. So some are pending release, which is always what our goal is. And when we've got a bird that um, is pending release, there's less hands-on care at all. So Cold laser really takes place when they are in the hospital for critical care, as well as after any kind of surgical procedure. It's something that we bring along with us to the veterinary hospitals when we have a surgery where there are sutures, so we can apply the cold laser immediately after whatever procedure was done. Um, it's really nice because this unit that we have is mobile. We can bring it down to any bird or case and outside of our clinic. So we use it in that fashion quite a bit. And Lisa, you know, you're seeing this product obviously being used right here in Connecticut, but you said um, when we spoke last week that it's being used all over the world. It is, yeah. And we actually, actually just two seconds, it's um, speaking to Christine's release of, of getting those birds out ASAP, the less, obviously the less human interaction, um, you know, especially if they're going to be re-released, but I'm a huge follower on your Facebook page and I love, I love watching the releases. It's just so exciting. So Christine, I just wanted to mention that because uh, we don't get to Thank chat you. very often. So I wanted to let you know. No, we don't. Um, so yes, Allie, to your, to your point, we um, are, are both of our level of equipment, the PEMF and the lasers are used internationally. Um, we have, um, you know, clients all over the U.S. Um, predominantly small animal and equine, um, but a lot of um, rescues, a lot of zoos um, are using it actually for the same reason that Christine is, is to really, and especially from the zoo perspective, where you know these animals, they're not going to be released. They're there sort of as advocates for their species. Um, and, you know, a lot of them have been in a zoo for a while and they get arthritis. And, you know, as the zookeepers and the vets, they want to keep them as comfortable and, and happy as possible. So we do have a lot of equipment um, that in, in local zoos and national zoos also. And then we're definitely excited this year. We had uh, our equipment in the veterinary barn at the Olympics. Um, so it was used to um, you know, any of the horses that had come into the vet barn that may need a certain type of therapy, um, our equipment was there for them as well. So that was pretty exciting for us. Yeah. Yeah, that is very cool. I mean, on the world stage, you can't really beat that. Um, so you said horses and, and, and birds, and obviously both of you were working in the midst of a pandemic. Christine, interested to hear from you, how it affected your workflow there, flow there. How many, um, staff do you have there? 
And did you see a reduction in people bringing in animals, maybe more because they were home and they could see them injured? What was the pandemic like? Okay, for us, it's an all-volunteer-based organization. So myself and my husband live on site and do most of the care. I am the primary caretaker for all of the injured and the, um, the cases that come in through the hospital. We do have a team of wonderfully trained volunteers who help us with cleaning, who help us with rescuing, transporting, um, odd jobs. Like this morning, I had somebody drive out to Yukon for necropsy. So we're testing some of the specimens to find out what cause of death. Um, things like that. So we do have a group of wonderful invested individuals, but as far as um, staff, I wouldn't call anyone staff because we are all volunteers. The state and the government do not help fund what we do. So one of the ways that we're affected by the pandemic, of course, is by the programming being limited. Um, with the weather being nice and warm, we've been back to outdoor programming, but once the weather goes cold again, we won't be doing that kind of um, fundraising for ourselves. And that is one of our big generations of, of funding to keep us open and what we're doing. Since the pandemic, I'm going to say that more cases have increased. We have seen more birds coming in, more injured coming in, more calls coming in. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that people were forced to be more home in their own backyards. A lot more people got into birding, by the way. A lot of the bird stores, um, supply stores were really booming for a while because the, the whole pandemic forced everybody to do things within their own environments and their own backyards. Um, we're averaging probably three to seven admits per day. And that's a lot. And, you know, I, I can't say for sure if it's because over time, of course, our name is getting more out there and more and more people know about us so that the numbers are increasing. Or if it's kind of the pandemic on top of it, it's probably a whole a bunch of factors together that has brought the numbers up. So we're looking forward to a little bit of a break over the cold season, but like last year, we stayed open for tours at our center. And the reason we did that is because we wanted people to have an outdoor place to go. So we weren't all going stir crazy. But this year we're thinking of um, closing for the winter just to lick our wounds for a little while because we've been so busy. And Lisa, I believe you said that your the demand for your product increased a little bit, but the supply was harder to, to get. Um, because of the supply chain issues during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, it's exactly it. So oh, kind of along the same lines as Christine, a lot of the pet parents, um, which we call, you know, well, that's what we call our dog and cat owners, pet parents, uh, were home and they were, you know, it, they were more observant um, of, of just kind of what their animal was feeling. Um, and a lot of times, especially in the beginning, um, not just in Connecticut, but, you know, it kind of rolled through the country, um, you know, it, people weren't able to get their dogs into their veterinarians or their therapists for their routine PT um, and their routine laser therapy. So we definitely, you know, once clinics were closed for a month or a month and a half, uh, we had a lot of vets reaching out to us asking if there's assistance that we can give their pet parents at home um that's because they can't get into the clinics so we definitely saw an uptick on on um requests from that perspective and then on the flip side uh oh yeah it's you know being a a, a manufacturer um nobody i don't know not not one manufacturer that's not feeling the pain um and even just this morning i'm reading about container ships off of 
California and before it was because they didn't have um, anybody to get, you know, at the loading docks to get the containers in. And now, now they're talking about that the warehouses are, are full because there's not enough drivers to get things out. So it's a, it's been an ongoing battle for sure. Um, just trying to keep, you know, components coming in, being that we manufacture everything, including, you know, our PC boards here in Connecticut, um, you know, just one um, processor that you're missing or a couple um, resistors that you're missing can hold up the whole production line. And, you know, again, we're not the only ones. I know we're not the only ones um, feeling that pain. So it's definitely a challenge to scramble, um, find additional suppliers and, and hidden stocks of, <laughs> of components and, you know, using your network, which is great, um, you know, which is why, um, you know, being part of organizations that, that you can network with to share ideas with each other and um, exchange supplier ideas um, has been a, very, a good benefit. And how many employees do you have? You know, was manufacturing the product um, tougher during the pandemic? Did you have to space people out or change shifts a bit to keep everyone safe? Uh, good question. We're very lucky that we have um, some a, a, a nice expanse of space. So we were easily able to adapt to significant um, um, distancing between employees, but it certainly, um, you know, was a huge concern because in the factory, we have about seven people, um, you know, and, and in the beginning, if one person went down, we, we would have had to, just for the safety of all employees, not knowing, you know, back then as much as we do now, we would have had to shut down. So, um, you know, as an employer, you know, not only the manufacturing side of things, but the safety and well-being of your employees is top of the list. So it was definitely a challenge um, navigating, mm -hmm. navigating all of that. Um, but we have about 12 people in-house and then uh, we work with independent um, reps across not only the U.S., but the world. So we probably have an army of about 75 to 100 um, people across across the world that are representing the product and, and feeding into a home base here. Wow, so what a complicated year and a half it must have been trying to coordinate and different safety protocols and just um, producing the product over the past year. Um, you know, you're obviously you probably hear the stories of success from the product quite a bit, but right now you have Christine and she's sitting there right where they use it and talking about the great success. I guess just want to know, Lisa, how that makes you feel to hear the stories that come out of at least this one place um, and, and the fact that some of these birds probably wouldn't fly again if it wasn't for uh, what you're producing in Brantford. It's exactly that is what makes every day and all the headaches of working with the suppliers and uh, you know, the fires that you're putting out when, when, you know, the chargers that you have for your system are stuck on a container and everybody's kind of running around trying to figure out what to do um, and stress levels build. And then I'll go and I'll look at a place called Hope's Facebook page and I see the birds get released and, you know, and I see, you know, they, they're, they post images when they're using the laser for things and it's, it's things exactly like that. And not just with um, you know, a place called Hope, but with all of our customers, to be able to get that feedback um, of just, um, I never thought my horse was going to be able to compete again, or my dog is finally able, you know, the first time he's gone up the stairs in a year and a half, you know, it's really that feedback that we get that makes um, everything worth it. We, we all absolutely adore what we do. Um, we're a family-owned organization, second generation, and, um, you know, we're, we're, 
the entire organization is our family, um, as well as our extended um, four-legged and two-legged and winged families as well. So um, it's it's all just um, just so just wonderful to be a part of. I'm very lucky. It's been a game game changer for us. It really has. It's one of those things that we do refer to it as a magic wand. And again, I can't imagine our routine care here without it. And I was starting to tell um, Lisa earlier about the, um, the effects that we have with spinal trauma. We get a lot of birds that come in with spinal trauma. And years back, we used to actually opt to euthanize the birds because the length and time invested in care was too hard on them. Um, it wasn't always a successful outcome and it wasn't worth putting them through all the agony. Well, enter the magic wand and that has changed. And I have seen almost, I'm going to say probably about 90% of those cases actually recover and go back to freedom. And I know it's a big number because it really is that effective. Um, there are, are some cases that we know um, can't can't be fixed if they're severed. But in, in most of these cases that I'm referring to, the they start standing up again after a few days of just consistent cold laser therapy treatment. Mm -hmm. And it really, for other rehabbers and rehab centers who have followed us as well, or who know of our successes, everybody wants a magic wand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I always recommend reaching out to response systems because of that, because it's, again, a game changer in the world of uh, wildlife rehabilitation. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that makes, and, and it's, we, you know, not only the passion is there for us, obviously, but, and, and a lot of people are kind of skeptical. I mean, you say magic wand and it, I mean, yeah. it is, and we, we call them our magic wands or our magic blankets for the horse, you know, the PEMF blankets that we have for the horses and um, which is a great explanation or description of it. But then, you know, I always have to kind of take people back and say that they are um, scientific based technologies. So um, you can't feel them when, I mean, the, the laser, sometimes it can get, you know, you feel some warmth from it, but the PEMF, you can't feel the therapy. So there's a lot of um, hesitation as to what exactly is this doing? How is this working? Um, and I always, you know, two things I kind of use as an example is number one, both technologies are FDA approved technologies. Um, on the human side, um, for, for animals, you don't have to have the FDA approval, but they are FDA approved on the human side. There's decades of research um, behind both of them um, for chronic and acute types of conditions. Um, and then the second part is, you know, especially as it comes to the laser that we're speaking about specifically, is that, um, you know, I always say to people, well, everybody's kind of aware that you can get vitamin, your body can generate vitamin D from sunlight. So, that's how a lot, most people are generating their vitamin D. So it's the same exact concept is that there's wavelengths from the sun. Um, certain ones can help you generate vitamin D and, and other wavelengths um, can in fact just generate a healing process. So really we're just capturing those wavelengths that are naturally emitted um, and then amplifying them and, and targeting them to the tissue that needs it. So we do see nerve regeneration. Um, and part of that is, is the massive um, reduction in inflammation. So, um, which especially when you have acute trauma, um, like a lot of the birds coming into a place called Hope do, um, being able to get that inflammation under control immediately is really gonna help them um, speed to the road to recovery. Yes. 
I mean, now I just want one of those blankets you put on the horses. I feel like <laughs> do me some wonders, but it's awesome. They have a resource um, that can help them, especially very cool with the Olympics too. I wanted to touch on that one more time. You know, did they reach out to you and basically say like, you're going to be the official laser treatment of the horses? How did that work? Right. So we, again, all through network. So just from other veterinarians that we have worked with um, and, and all of our, we just, like I said before, we have really an extended family. So we don't just sell somebody a laser um, or a PEMF device. We then, you become part of who we are. So you've got questions, you've got network, and we work together to sort of fine tune because everything is always an evolution. You know, there's nothing that just stops and hits a brick wall. It's going to diverge one way or the other. So we're always evolving our protocols, um, you know, our doses based on just um, feedback and working with our veterinarians. So in this particular case, um, a veterinarian we've been working with for a long time from Brazil um, was uh, working with the Olympic um, committee and team. So that was um, sort of how we got, got that entrance um, into, into the Olympics for this year. Awesome. That's such a cool story. Well, Christine, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on our BizCast. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, YouTube, and for more episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.